0: My next guest and I have had many lengthy conversations about bettering yourself in business. Um, she's excelled in her career, always proving her intelligence and work ethic. My friend and confidant, Amy Collins. Woo! Thanks, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thrilled to be here. So, um, I had Millie on my podcast and now I've got you on my podcast. I'm very excited about that. And um, I, bet I met you both at Dundee University. Yes, that's right. Um, Many moons ago now. Oh, stop. So. <laughs> exposing. We've got good lighting, so it's fine. <laughs> um, if you're listening, we've got great lighting. <laughs> um, so this podcast is about the transition from university to corporate or work life. In, in the, so you studied business at Dundee University. Yep, business management, yeah. Business management. And so you're now working for a B2B tech company, which is very exciting. Business to business. Yeah, yeah business yeah, to business. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what, how was the transition from, I know you've had a few jobs since then as well, but how was the transition from university to a professional working environment?
1: Um, well, I'd say, for first off, I took like three months out after mm-hmm. I finished uni, um, just because I think I was just terrified about the prospect of getting a job. I didn't really know how to go about it, didn't know what the process of a you know job interview would be like, because all of the other jobs I'd had were, you know, hospitality, and I'd basically walked in Mm -hmm. signed something and walked out so that was a a daunting prospect um so it took me a minute to sort of get my act together um and because I didn't really know what I wanted to do I didn't have an idea in mind um I thought I'd join an agency so um I signed up with Office Angels idea being that um I would temp and kind of figure out what kind of thing I might want to do Mm -hmm. um and that was something I'd heard about through Millie in fact Mm um and Actually, they presented me with a, a sort of permanent position um, as an option, um, and it was based in my hometown. So I thought, you know, I was obviously moving back there anyway, and what are the chances that a marketing role comes up in North Eric? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I went for it, um, and I was there for over three years, um, and in that time went from like marketing and customer support assistant up until when I left, I was a marketing manager, so, yeah, lots of lessons and, um, yeah, obviously lots of other jobs since then. But I
0: know
1: it must have been hard as
0: so, well, transitioning from university in the sense of like you're studying, you can, you're kind of working when you want to within your own schedule and then yeah. maybe moving into sort of
1: like a more restrictive, maybe nine to five role. Yeah, sometimes nine to six, nine to seven. <laughs> Definitely. And I think that was an adjustment as well. I think for my, the agency had sort of said to me, you know, this is a nine to five
2: Mm-hmm.
1: um and within like the first few days of me there I was you know I'd be getting ready to pack up at five because um, mm. I kind of felt well, like well yeah that's nine to five that's when I'm being paid for <laughs> and then um I got a message from uh, our operations manager at the time basically being like oh just so you know um our hours are nine till five no um, <laughs> I know and 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 like, you know, that was fine. I ended up staying for that. But like, there's just these little things that, I mean, obviously I've been told that by the agency, but mm. it's just these little things that, you know, you learn as you go. Literally. I know. You think it yeah, ends yeah. back on well, nine. I think it's like... always nine to five. You just assume yeah. that that's the case. But for a lot of businesses, it isn't. There's like different words. 536. Orders. Exactly. Absolutely. Um...
0: So you've achieved so much in your career, you've worked incredibly hard, just because I know, because I'm your friend, <laughs> um, achieving promotions, you've been moved into different roles, what advice would
1: you give to others who are wanting to progress in their jobs? Um, so I would say the main thing is no one else is going to do this for you, mm. um, you know, you're being paid to to work and so you kind of can't just do the bare minimum if you want to progress and be given more opportunities. Mm. Um, and so that's something, you, you have to be a self-starter, you have to be proactive, you have to be putting yourself forward for projects when there are projects to raise your hand for, mm-hmm. because no one else is going to do that for you and no one's going to give you an opportunity if you're not proving that you can do the job. Mm. That's true. A lot of people do think, why is this not happening?
0: Why am I not getting sort of these jobs, these promotions, but then you're not putting yourself forward? Yeah. Or
1: Well, and another thing I'd say is don't be afraid of changing companies if you're not getting... The progression that you want because there are going to be certain places that are just not built in the same way or they don't have the same culture of you know pushing people through the ranks mm. um and if a lesson that my dad always said when I was young was you make your salary while you're young mm. and the easiest way to make more money is by job hopping and I don't I'm not encouraging anyone to like spend three months in a row and then move because that's not going to look good on your cv but <laughs> you know if there's if the opportunities are not presenting themselves and you're doing all the right things, then maybe the company is the problem. Did your business degree prepare you for the working world? Um, in some senses, yes, some senses no. I would say that a lot of the stuff that I was taught was very theoretical, um, which obviously the real world isn't. Um, however, it definitely taught me certain terms, um, certain business concepts. Um, but I think from, more than anything, it taught me about deadlines, it taught me about a work ethic. Um, yeah. Living away from home was a huge life lesson like you don't learn a lot of the stuff you know just by you know sitting at home. So, yeah, um, definitely a f- like work ethic, working to a deadline um, having constructive feedback and sometimes not so constructive feedback. Yeah. Um. so, you know, it kind of helps prepare you for the kinds of feedback you might get in a real job. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say that, you know, universities is packed with lessons, and it's not always the ones that you're having in the classes. That's
0: that's true, yeah. You (laughs) learn learn so much about people, do you not think, it's not necessarily your subject, obviously you learn about that, but you learn how to negotiate and navigate people. Yeah. What do you, it it must be hard as well, getting feedback that you
1: feel like is maybe biased, or, you know, it's it's not constructive, you know. Well, and it's also, you know, it's very much fitting the mould of the university, whereas you know, there's there's so many different types of intelligence and creativity and things, and it doesn't always mold to you know someone who can write an essay and reference. And luckily, actually, was... you are quite good. <laughs> I know you we're friends. I did once get I did once get a, a bad grade in an essay, mm. and like I, I went to go speak to my uh, <laughs> the, the lecturer, <laughs> and I genuinely cried, and I was like, I don't I know. know. It was just the first time I'd ever really had. Negative feedback, mm-hmm. and I wasn't used to it. Um, it feels personal. As it does. Well. It really and it, does. Even though
0: it's not really because they're probably you know they mark hundreds of essays and they're just like they're just kind of
1: trying to get through them. But it, it is hard not
0: to take it personally.
1: Yeah, especially when you feel like you've tried hard on something. Yeah, um, and But to be honest, in hindsight, I probably didn't read enough for that one. <laughs> it's probably my fault. I actually remember you talking about that. Yeah,
0: time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's funny. So, um. So back to my questions. Um, have there been any moments where work has seemed overwhelming and what tips would you give to someone who's letting work stress get to them?
1: Yes, uh, all the time. Um, <laughs> honestly, all the time. Like even last week I was um, handed over a new project and it was something that, um, you know, it's not difficult, but with the, the sort of other projects I had on my plate, felt like I was not going to have enough time to do it. Mm-hmm. Um but I think it's, you, you kind of just have to take them all as, take on as much as you can. And if you, if you feel like you've got too much on your plate, you have to feed that back. Mm. Um, you know, there, there is no reason why you can't say, well, hands up. I need to prioritize here. Yes. You know, what, what do you want me to do and what, what is isn't no longer a priority or what can I put on the back shelf until, um, until I've got capacity. Yeah. So I think one thing is definitely, you know, feedback to your line manager and say, this is, or if it's university, maybe your lecturer or something, get an extension on a task. Yes. But like, you know, you can always feedback back that, you know, you just don't have the capacity and that will hopefully lighten the load. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, take a five minute break. There is nothing stopping you having a screen break. And um, usually I find if I'm struggling with a task and I can't figure out the problem, Um, I come back to it five minutes later, do the dishwasher, put on a load of laundry, come back and and I just feel like I've had a second to breathe and it feels so much easier Mm. to address whatever's stressing me out.
0: And what about the people who maybe feel like they're being assigned jobs and it's above or below their pay grade?
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Those are quite difficult conversations to have. Have you ever had a moment where you've had maybe
1: boundary set and say, I'm sorry, that's not for me or... Yeah, I mean, I think it is it is a difficult thing to do because you're quite often speaking with someone who is, you know, of higher on the hierarchy than you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so saying no feels like a very difficult thing to do. But at the same time, if you if you feel like you're being asked to do something unreasonable or it's something I mean, sometimes you just have to roll up your sleeves and get on with it. Yeah. Like absolutely. you're being paid to do a job, mm-hmm. do a job. If it's something that you think is unreasonable or falls under someone else's responsibilities, there are polite ways to say, mm-hmm. I wonder if this fits better under so and so's job description. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I think it's it's always gonna be one of those awkward awkward conversations. Always. You just have yeah. to try and approach it with as much um openness to try, mm-hmm. but also if you really want to draw a line, just be polite about it. I know well
0: actually we're going to get back to that later on um about sort of like business lingo and sort of speaking to your community and sort of emailing and learning the lingo Mm -hmm. etc but um but um it's sort of you're talking about sort of like doing the dishwasher and like having a break doing the laundry if you're working from home have you ever had a struggle with switching off sort of especially working from home do you ever feel like there's a moment you need to sort of Learn how to separate your professional and your personal life.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is obviously a super important thing for anyone working from home. Because um, I, my office is in my living room, so yes. like it's meters away from where I'm chilling <laughs> on the sofa. So of course, it's it's a super important thing to be able to do. I, weirdly enough, feel like I kind of mastered this in high school. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I feel like I had um, a few like social interactions at school that would stress me out so much that I would almost just like switch completely off when I got home mm. and it was just like a school and home thing so ever since then I feel like I've very much had those boundaries just like set in my in my mind mm. but also I think if you're working from home and you finish your day one of the best things you can do is go for a walk when you're done yes because it just gets you out of the house and when you come back it's a totally different mind frame to how you were when you were working mm.
0: yeah we, we, we've spoken about that before mm-hmm. as well and it, and you're so good at doing that You obviously you love running, you go out for mm-hmm. a run and it helps you sort of sort of switch off for a yep. bit but it's also a healthy alternative activity to do um, so yeah, but another question I had was about you being post a post-lockdown work from home employee and do you still think this way of working is effective?
1: For me personally, yes, Okay. I used to find myself getting way more stressed out working in the office and maybe that's you know, the particular job I was doing at the time. But um, I definitely find that I work well working from home. Mm -hmm. I am a bit of an introvert. Um, (laughs) So I tend to find that actually being in the office can be exhausting. Yes. Whereas, you know, me working... And also my job is so much of a a solitary thing. Like I write and read stuff Mm -hmm. all the time. So it's... Um, I actually find if I'm in the office, I start writing down what other people are saying around me, Um, or I have to have, like, noise-canceling headphones, so Mm -hmm. I don't really have the same benefit of, like, the social interaction in the office, because I'm having to work on stuff on my own anyway. It's not very collaborative. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I still personally find it really effective, and I wouldn't have applied for a fully remote job Mm -hmm. if I didn't think it was effective. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's not the case for everyone, but I I love that it's an option. Yeah.
0: So earlier we spoke about learning the lingo sort of in a corporate environment or work environment or business environment. How did you learn this and what advice would you give to our viewers and audience about sort of learning how to maybe boundary set, um, say no,
1: or I mean, there could be some plethora of things. So I would say, I mean, for context, I work in marketing and in marketing, there are so many acronyms, like it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it took a long time and a lot of Googling Mm. on, on calls, (laughs) um, as I heard them just Mm. to, just to Google what they meant because yeah, I would, I wouldn't know any of them. Um, but actually in terms of like, like emails and like how to email and how to speak and how to politely say no to things, a lot of that I learned from my first line manager. Um, Mm. It was the way that I would see him speaking to to people in emails, and so I think a lot of this stuff just comes from observing and absorbing what people are doing around you and how other people talk, which is so much about like social interactions anyway. Like you pick mm-hmm. up on the vibe from everyone else in the room, mm-hmm. um. But yeah, Google is your friend. Yes when it comes to acronyms and hopefully no other industry has quite as many as marketing does. Um, but, but also just like observe how other people are speaking and try and match their energy in terms of um, like how they're speaking, the kind of language they use, how formal it is. Yeah. I also think, I mean, maybe it's not the same for all industries. I don't, want to, don't know what it's like in maybe like finance or some more traditional industries, but certainly from my experience, it's not as formal as it used to be. Yeah. Um, obviously, you still have to be polite and you know useful words yes um yeah I wouldn't say it's uh I wouldn't say you have to be quite so like uptight about that anymore Mm.
0: see people you speak to regularly do you feel like you're doing the many thanks or
1: best wishes or I used to do a lot of best signing off best Best. (laughs) um but now actually I just I just leave it up to my I've got an email signature so oh, I just fabulous. I just end the email and have my email signature. They know who it Saves is. Saves a lot of time. Saves a lot of hassle. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm always debating
1: that. I say, do you say hello, hi, dear? Have I you... I quite often do a hi. I'll say, sort of say hi yeah. in the person's name because yeah. I just think that that's yeah that's polite. But yeah, I mean, if I'm replying to an email and it's in a thread, don't bother.
0: Well, there you go. Yeah.
1: See, I'm always like best
0: or best wishes or kind regards, yeah.
1: regards. If you're really being firm. <laughs> 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 no, yeah, I think. Um, I, yes, I think. There is a time and a place for that, but also yes. depending on who you're speaking to. Exactly, together. no one's reading that bit. Yeah.
0: Um, also, with sort of learning the lingo, um, like I said earlier, when I had a job interview, it was like learning how to sort of structure your answers. You really have to think about it. It's not like speaking to your friends. It's not like it is. It does take a lot of practice. And I remember mm-hmm. the woman who interviewed me at the time said to me, you, "You're you're great. You're creative. Um, not." blow my own trumpet. <laughs> You're great. Do it. Blow it. Um, and then... <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry not, not, Um And then she said, even sort of high up executives who haven't interviewed in a long time, even they struggle mm-hmm. sort of with the lingo. So it's so interesting. Um, speaking of which, applying for jobs. Yes. We've both been through it. It's hectic. It's a yeah. job within itself. It's a full-time job. Exactly. What, ex- what was the experience like for you? And did you... Um, accumulate any strategies um, for interviewing um, applying cover
1: letters and what advice would you give the audience so this is an interesting one because I've kind of been on both sides of the fence I've yes. been the interviewee and I've been the interviewer um, and it is difficult being the interviewee it's always stressful you always feel like you're under like scrutiny and they always mm. say oh this is an informal chat and it's always like a full on yes. questions interview yeah <laughs> Um and I used to get so nervous mm-hmm. with, I mean, public speaking in general, but also interviewing. I mean, it was it, it always used to stress me out, and i get so hot and sweaty, and i get so, like, mine would go blank, and I wouldn't know mm-hmm. what the what question they just asked me. But I think that that does just come with practice.
0: Yes. Um
1: And I feel like with job interviews, as much as you obviously want to be applying for things that you actually want, because you don't want to waste your time or theirs, but also I think volume is, you know, such a big factor just throw yourself into it and do loads of interviews and also remember that the interviews are a two-way process like this is you finding out as much about the business as it is about them finding out about you um so you know ask good questions and don't just ask questions like oh what's the culture like mm. because I mean yes you want to know what the culture is like but they're going to tell you it's a good culture yes so ask questions like you know what is the um, what's what are your plans for the next six months? What are your OERs? You know, questions that actually make it known that you're interested, and also just so you can gauge like the direction of the company. Mm. That's such good. Do you know actually?
0: With, if you've watched episode two or listened to episode two with Millie Stevenson, um, I actually mentioned you in it. And I said, oh, yeah. that is the advice you gave me. Yeah. You said, remember, it's a two-way street. Yeah. So you're interviewing them as well. Yeah. And it, it it kind of changes the dynamic slightly cause it, because it makes it less nerve-wracking because you have to know your value and
1: what you bring to the table is so important. So it's an equal playing field in that, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, got to, you've got to know that you want to work there as well. And you're not going to know that without asking the questions. Absolutely, interview. Absolutely. Great advice. Wonderful advice.
0: So, As a young woman in business, have you ever felt a certain bias
1: against you? If so, how did you handle it? Um, So I feel like I've actually been really lucky. I haven't, um, at least in my professional career, maybe in my early hospitality days, but I've never really felt like I've not been given an opportunity because of um, any sort of discriminatory factor. Um, Although I would say I feel like I maybe have fallen into certain stereotypes um, of behaviour because. Um, basically, uh, there was a, during lockdown, the company I was working for um, told everyone they were getting pay cuts um, and everyone was, you know, obviously um, upset about that. But it was, you know, COVID times, we were trying to make the business succeed. Um, but I actually got a second call after the team call saying, um, actually, we're going to give you a, a pay rise. I was like, how does that make any sense? You're giving everyone a pay cut. And they're like, oh, you know, they kind of just didn't. They glossed over it, and I was like, it wasn't until you know twenty minutes after the call, I was like, the reason they are bringing me down, uh, sorry, bringing my pay up, is because I'm so far behind mm. everyone else's pay that to bring everyone down to a, a sort of level playing ground, because all the pay cuts were going to the same same amount, to to take me to that amount, mm. I had to go up. Crazy, and I was one of the longest standing people that was working at that company and i think that lots of people have just been hired in a a higher uh, pay grade than me and it just hadn't ever been made fair and i had never asked the question i had never questioned it and i think that that is something that stereotypically women tend to be a little less good at than men um we don't we don't tend to question it because we're like you know we assume that we're being paid fairly or we, it's just a, a conversation that we don't really like to have because it's it's asking quite a direct question um but yeah I would say if you are a woman in business don't ever be afraid of asking for what's fair and also just don't be afraid of asking you know am I being paid a competitive rate or am I being paid fairly against the rest of the people in the company because mm. you never know <laughs> no. you might not be and and they're not going to highlight that for you it is hard
0: and it's obviously quite a a triggering thing for us as well and I think and that's something I mean again as your friend I I witnessed you go through that and it was it was heartbreaking to see and experience but do you think now you've put a positive spin on that do you think now
1: you you ask questions and yeah of course it's a a lesson learned Mm -hmm. and um, I'm now quite um, I wouldn't say abrupt but I am I'm a lot more blatant with my questions about, about pay. Yes. Because at the end of the day, you know, as much as I enjoy my job, I am there to be paid. Um, and if I'm not being paid fairly, then that's, that's obviously a problem. But, um, the good news is that, you know, everything is great now. Exactly. (laughs) I'm working for a company that pays very fairly. Yeah. We're working (laughs) for a brilliant company. They appreciate you. They see you. Yeah. And, And how
0: brilliant is that, honestly. Um, so, um, sort of on that note, have, can you speak about a time where you felt challenged?
1: Yes. Within your job or whatever? Yeah, what, whatever. Yeah, I mean, this say? is this is obviously slightly different to in my job because, um, well, I'll just get into it. Basically, end of um end of lockdown. Basically, we're coming out the other side of things. You know, everyone's feeling very positive about the future. Um, but I was actually made redundant. Um, and that was a massive knock to my confidence. Because it was my first role out of uni um, and, you know, I, I'd worked so hard for this company and I'd made it through, you know, years of working there. And so I kind of felt, not that, I, you know, things would, not that I was ever expendable or untouchable or anything like that, but I, I kind of felt like, I just didn't, I didn't see it coming. Yeah. Did not see it coming. Um, and so, you know, having to go back to the drawing board and go back through the job hunting process um, properly this time, yes. um, not just through an agency, it was so stressful, um, and so that was one hundred percent challenging. And it kind of just reinforced the imposter syndrome that I'd been feeling the entire time. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the moral of the story is, I'm actually, I'm so thrilled that that happened. And yeah. genuinely, as much as it was horrible at the time, I'm so thrilled that happened because I feel like it was the best thing for me at that point. Um, I don't think I'd realized how stunted my learning had become. There was no, like, I wasn't growing personally as um, in, my, in my role or in my career at that point. Um, and I think I was there because I was comfortable and I was scared to leave. I didn't know if I could, you know, I didn't know that I had any transferable skills. And yes. um, so actually it kind of forced me into action and it forced me to look for other roles and the one that I found I'm absolutely thrilled by like I'm I'm really enjoying it and I've had great opportunities since and I am growing that confidence now Mm. um that I didn't have before so actually you know of course imposter syndrome still happens um
0: (laughs) fake it till you make it (laughs) yeah exactly
1: but um yeah I definitely feel like I'm like in such a better position a year on and yeah that would not have happened if I hadn't been challenged in that way, yeah. So. Think it's
0: nice now having this job and sort of learning on the job. You're still, like, growing and developing your skills because, mm. obviously, you had that university. And, like you said, which a lot of people experience, they feel comfortable or even maybe stuck in a job. Mm. Do you think it's important to sort of
1: keep developing your skills while you're working? Yes, 100%, because, you know, everyone – you know, uni prepares you so well for that first role. Mm-hmm. But, you know – the only way you're going to get into your next role is to learn more from your first role it's got yes. to be like a, a sort of stepladder kind of thing you're only going to get to the next rung if you if you add something onto your you know acumen so yeah acumen I don't know if that's the right <laughs> word but you know what I mean you you have to be adding and learning or else you're just you're, that's the key to progression I think yeah
0: So what advice would you give to your student self if
1: you could go back and speak to her?
2: Um,
1: see I feel like I did uni, you know, fairly well. I feel like I partied hard and worked hard. Yeah, maybe not as hard, party part, but um I would probably say I wish I'd started running earlier. Because I think that that is such a good stress reliever. I would say um, go to the library before third year.
0: Ah, yes.
2: (laughs) Reading is important. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So what positive changes from your professional life have impacted your personal life, would you say? Um, I mean, I feel like I've noticed a massive difference in myself in the last sort of year or two. And I think that's 100% confidence. And it's because, you know, when you're when you're challenged to something when you're given a project and you don't think you can do it and then you do it and not only do you do it but you get positive feedback for it or you know um you're you're seeing the metrics come in mm. and you're seeing you know performance is good like that is such a confidence boost um helps I also got marketer of the quarter so oh yes (laughs) she's fancy by the way (laughs) but you know that's such a that's such a confidence boost and that's yes something that 100% is I feel like I've always had um or at least always had like a bit of a fear of failure instilled into me and so Mm. having having that positive feedback and having that builds such yeah it's it's such a confidence boost um, and especially someone who, I feel like, you know, my, my work ethic is definitely sort of weaved into my um, self-esteem. Mm-hmm. So if I feel like I'm not performing at work, or at least in you know, what you're supposed to do in life. Um, yeah, I feel like definitely, um, that yeah, that's the biggest thing.
0: You're definitely, I'm more confident as your friend. I see it and you. You're way more confident yeah. when
1: you're speaking. And it's just, yeah. Oh, I, I wouldn't have been able to do this podcast for example, of, like, two or three years ago. I just think I would have been way too nervous. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, public speaking, you kind of have to, especially yeah. when you're, you know, delivering reports and stuff on calls. You have to be able to speak to people. But, you know, that's something that is difficult, and a lot of people struggle with that, and especially if you're in a remote role. You know, you're spending a lot of the time in your in your room on your own, but you have to be able to speak to people, and you have to be able to present stuff, and, you know, you have to be able to, you know, interview other people. Certainly. So,
0: so to round up this podcast in 30 words or less can you sum up one point that you want someone who's watching or listening to
1: take away from this podcast yeah. I mean, if you are a sufferer of uh, imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. so many people are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like you're everyone truly- everyone has experienced it. And actually, um, a- according to research, the higher achievers tend to be bigger imposter syndrome sufferers. Um, so if you suffer imposter syndrome, you're probably doing something right. Oh.
2: Um,
1: and actually, you can use it as a motivator to you know fear of failure pushes you forward use it as a strength oh my
0: goodness <laughs> I love that that's so that's such a good point can I take that can please, I steal that please. thank you love that <laughs> so to end this podcast yes, Amy Collins I have one question for you
1: oh go for it
0: are you on the outer edge of imminent fabulous wealth oh
1: I hope so I was gonna swear <laughs> I won't do that she hopes so oh I hope so yeah. I I feel like I'm on the way
0: yeah. Fabulous. Yeah. Lovely. <laughs> well thank you so much for joining me. Woo! Thanks for Thanks. joining us at Credo Academy. Thanks for having me. I'll have you back anytime.